Okay, hello. This is Adam. I'm Lubitsa. And this is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. You know, we talk about leftist politics and TV and stuff. Yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations? Yeah. Um, I have two fashion-related recommendations. The first one is the Vogue app, which is free and cool because you can't... Well, there's... It might be called the Vogue, like, Runway app or something like that. It's not, like, just Vogue magazine. It's specific to, like, the runway. Damn, now I wish I had my phone so I could look to check. <laughs> but basically, it's the this app <clears throat> which catalogs, like, um, like, all the, like, major designers um, and their, like, runway shows and has, like, photos of every look. And you can, like, read the Vogue review of the show. And it goes back quite a few years for most um, designers. And it's just really cool because, I don't know, I feel like a lot of times on the internet, like, I don't know what to do other than, like, go on Twitter, maybe go on Facebook, go on Instagram, or, like, look at some, like, online shopping or, like... Sometimes there's stuff I want to read, but, like, I don't know. I just feel like that's basically it. And, like, if you kind of want to just, like, let your brain graze, you know? That's what, that's what they say in Macedonian. When you're kind of just wanting to, like, relax and chill, then uh, there's not a lot to really do online that doesn't, like, really involve, I don't know, at least reading. And I feel like this is cool because you can, like, get familiar with a bunch of different designers that maybe you've never even heard of. And you just, like, look through all these photos. And if you're, like, at a doctor's office or somewhere where you're trying to kill some time, it's just a cool app to have in, like, your arsenal to reach for and um, to, like, help you familiarize yourself with a different form of art than maybe you're used to. That's cool. And then going along with that, I've been watching a bunch of fashion panels on Show Studio, which is a YouTube channel that I would recommend. Um, they have a bunch of other content, but I like the fashion panels where they discuss various shows in depth and they have a bunch of different people talk about it. I don't often agree with like their opinions, but it's pretty cool to have people who really take fashion seriously and also know a lot about... Um, the history of the houses and understand like the codes of different designers or houses very well and can kind of like uh, I think like you know in our fashion thing we talked about like how it is accessible because you can find the shows on YouTube and stuff like that and you can just enjoy them but this I think makes it even more accessible for someone who feels like well I don't even know what to look at or which designers mm -hmm. are what or whatever what the app does no, Show That's Studio, because these panels, like, really go in-depth, and they talk about, like, like Louis Vuitton, and why does it matter that Virgil Abloh is designing for Louis Vuitton, um, or, uh, you know, why is everyone upset about Eddie Slimane coming in for Celine, and, you know, his whole history with Yves Saint Laurent, and, you know, what his aesthetic is, and how that really clashes with the Celine, you know, that people have come to know and love under Phoebe File and stuff like that. So you you can get a really easy entry into learning about like um, fashion. It's, yeah, 
Some of the panels are good and some are bad. Yeah. The one about Vet Mom was really good. Yeah. It's an older panel. It's from like 2016 or something, but it's very good. A lot of smarter people on that one. Yeah. And I think they had like a lot of younger people on that one, which leads to better discussion. They have, whenever they have like older people who are like wealthy, they always like defend clothing being really inaccessibly expensive and stuff like that. It was really funny. The one you were watching last night was like a couture show. And you told me that uh, some of the panelists were like, oh, it's great to see a more diverse set of models. You yeah. Know, it's good that they're getting other other races in there. Yeah. And uh, But it'd be great if, what was it, like more designers of color or something like that. But then one woman on the panel said, you know, it'd be great if for couture they had women with different body sizes yeah. up there. Because, you know. Because it's a way to like show the power of couture and what's so valuable about couture and like to show how couture could like really accentuate these bodies in a way that's you know, oh, yeah. quite stunning. It could look good on anybody. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to just having these sort of stick figures walk yeah. in these clothes. So everybody else on the panel shot her down, which yeah. is really funny. Yeah, totally. They're talking up like this diversity. But yeah, then... I was telling you about how like there was a Burberry show last year that was. Uh, uh, Christopher Bailey's last show for Burberry and it was like uh, like dedicated to LGBT people and they put like I don't know some rainbows in there it felt very forced I wasn't a big fan of the show but a lot of people were like oh well if he was like really authentically for LGBT people then he should have hired all LGBT models which is like fine I guess I mean I, I don't mind that I was saying to you like if if the point is to say like materially I want to impact LGBT right. people's lives but so you, I'm going to give them jobs and everybody in the show is going to be right. LGBT and everyone who helps produce the shows you know but you I'd don't know that. if somebody is queer when they're walking down exactly. the runway <laughs> exactly <laughs> but so, like but fashion you know has a part in an oppression on forcing women to conform to certain yeah. body types and shit and for them to immediately be like, oh, no, we're not interested in that. That'll never work. It's not possible. Yeah. Like, that's they, the actual shit that you can engage in. Yeah. that's what fa- uh, fashion is part of doing. Totally. And yeah. they, like, kind of hid behind, like, oh, well, it would cost too much. Each of these couture pieces cost, like, $10,000 to make and blah, blah, blah. And I was telling you, yeah, but, like, these fashion houses are multi-billion with a B, you know? Yeah. Uh, dollar businesses like so if it costs a few thousand more dollars to make a garment that's nothing over you know a five billion dollar business right like uh, costs across that you know business for a a couture piece to run up a little higher it means nothing actually you know so it's just a question of being able to get away with it or not you know and as long as women on fashion panels and shit say oh yeah it's like it's fine that's just (laughs) models are skinny that's just how it is you know yeah or one of the women was saying like oh well um it has to fit women like across different countries because they ship these couture gowns like practically like in gold carriages you know like across the world to be photographed and there's like only like one piece or whatever and it has to fit multiple women it's like yeah but like women with like size 12 measurements or whatever exist across <laughs> the world, right? Like yeah. if they didn't, you know, mass retailers like H&M or Levi or, or whatever would go out of business. I you was know? surprised now that I'm watching more of these shows because you have them up on YouTube, how many models are still like... So anorexically yeah. skinny. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's really you know, frightening. To be clear, not everybody who looks anorexic is anorexic or whatever, but like obviously there's an insane pressure on these women to never eat anything still to this day. Yeah. I thought that was like a 90s phenomenon, and it's not. It's, no, it's, it's not. still there. Yeah. And it, they are making all this, they're talking a big game about diversity and stuff, not just on this panel, but across all this fashion media. Yeah. And like they're not addressing the one thing they directly participate in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you get an interesting look at the politics too of these. People yeah, in and they um, have because they have people who are like fashion insiders or whatever. They talk a lot more about the business of fashion, which I always, because I'm like a romantic at heart, I guess I always think of like fashion as art, and I like to think about like the aesthetics, and I'm like so mesmerized by um, like if you get the Vogue app, look up um, Iris Van Herpen. You know, like her couture stuff is like otherworldly and she's using like 3d printing like she's bringing the concept of like couture you know to the modern world by using like modern tools and stuff it's really mm. cool oh but is she the one that, that does like 3d printing and stuff that's yeah that's what i literally oh, just sorry <laughs> i was thinking about <laughs> <laughs> but um but what I never think, you know, I'm, so I'm I'm so, like, impressed and in love with something like that. I'm like, why isn't everybody talking about this? You know, why is everyone talking about Louis Vuitton or whatever? And it's like they talk a lot about the business side of fashion, too. And they'll talk about, like, Louis Vuitton being, like, a $9 billion company or Gucci being a $5 billion company. And they'll talk about, like, the conglomerates that own these um, fashion brands like Louis Vuitton is part of LVMH, which is Louis Vuitton yeah. Moet Hennessy, and it's a giant conglomerate yeah. that owns tons of other. It's it's like anything else. There's basically two companies that own everything. In yeah, Caring is the other big one, yeah. um, and uh, which I think they used to be called Gucci Group, but now they're called Caring. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's like, and Michael Kors is also trying to become oh, a right, giant one. Yeah. They just bought Versace. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just really interesting. You get a ton of interesting perspective, and there are a lot of different people on the panels who come in. You know, some of them are like professors of of fashion or design or whatever. Mm -hmm. Some of them are fashion historians. You know, photographers, DJs, yeah. all kinds of artistic and interesting people. Would we recommend the Vetmont panel if you want to start somewhere and don't know yeah, where? Yeah, I think Just Google it's... some of Vetmont's, like, clothes first, and then you can look. Yeah, I think that it's um, 20... I think, I believe it's the 2016 Vetmont panel discussion that we're talking about on Show Studios There's an YouTube. interesting, more, like, cultural, artistic, political discussion in that one, too, since they talk about whether... Yeah, it's one you and I have had personally yeah. about Vetmon and Balenciaga. That's and the... Yeah, that's the... Yeah, that designer... Was it for Balenciaga that he did the thing where they were selling DHL t-shirts I think that was for Vetmon, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He runs both. And yeah, so that was a new story, like, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think so we discussed it that. in our episode on fashion, actually, a little bit. Um, I don't know if I have a recommendation. That's what I was trying to think of. When oh. I wasn't listening to you. Um, I did watch Tokyo Vampire Hotel on Amazon. It's uh, the TV show from uh, Shion Sono, who is the director who did like Suicide Club and um, some other newer movies that are good, like Cold Fish. Uh, so it's a really bonkers TV show. It's like ten episodes where like. Um, there's a vampire war between the Dracula clan and, like, the neo-vampire clan, and 
yeah i don't know the plot doesn't really matter <laughs> it's basically like a cool visual thing with a lot of ideas in it and crazy stuff happens for like 10 episodes and they basically the vampires trick all these humans into um coming to like a fake reality dating tv show kind of thing or maybe just a party at the vampire hotel and then they're like surprise you're here because we're vampires and we want you to like live here and we'll suck your blood and you can live here and by the way the whole world is exploding right now so this is how we'll survive Mm -hmm. in this like weird symbiotic relationship which is another interesting thing i've never seen from like a vampire yeah totally yeah so it's fun and uh yeah let's talk about something else did you say that it's on amazon yeah it's i think so it's on amazon prime I thought about just recommending Terrace House because we're watching that again, and it's the best TV show. Yeah, it's great. All right. So I wanted to talk about something first here. I was watching a YouTube video from this anime YouTuber, Digibro, and he had this one where he said, the title was Why You Watch Bad Anime, and it's one of the videos where he's just talking to the camera about shit, because he's one of those people just making content constantly. Basically, in our house, Adam plays anime youtube video essays like all the time and i play these like fashion panels (laughs) on youtube all the time (laughs) yeah that's what we've been doing lately i guess um so yeah the topic was why do you watch bad anime um because he he's pretty good at analyzing art in general but anime is literally only thing he watches and that's all he talks about and he's pretty good at talking about what things mean or why they're good or why they're bad and apparently that pisses a lot of people off like uh, he gets a lot of comments from people that are mad that they trashed his favorite show that he trashed their favorite show or whatever um so that's part of why he was talking about this um is like why do you people who are mad that i said this anime is bad why do you watch this anime Mm. and he said you know it's not illegitimate to watch something that's bad because there's kind of two different ways people enjoy art, but anime in particular. And the first way is that um, you watch everything that's new and you go online and you talk about it and you engage in this like community of people that are all watching it and talking about it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad right. because it's just something for you to do to like communicate and connect to other people on that level. Right. But the second, so he's like, the reason we watch anything is to connect with other people. And that's the first way we do it. Okay. Is to connect with the art to other people. To see, to see what's new and talk about and whatever. We don't really do that on our podcast. We don't talk about what's new. We don't, we'd like to talk about things that we like and share it with people. But we're not like participating in the latest discussion most of the time, right? Yeah, because I think that there are other places you can get that, right? That's true. Like, if you want to hear about, like, the week-to-week politics or whatever that are going on, like, there are, like, more famous people, I don't like, Chapo Trap House or whatever doing that. Like, yeah. I don't think you need to hear from us unless we have something particularly unique yeah. to say about or it. Or, like, we talked about Charmed as soon as it came out because we're experts and it's our yeah. duty. Yeah, And we'll probably talk about Sabrina Soon. Yeah, I think probably maybe this episode. Yeah. But, but in general, like, but I don't we, feel like we need to do... I think that there's so much... I, I, like, really wonder sometimes when we try a new podcast and they're just covering the same stories that are covered on every other podcast, like, why? For what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's it's boring after a while. Like, I can only listen to so many podcasts cover the same five stories of the week before, you know... I'm, 
I'm fucking bored (laughs) (laughs) and I want something else. And I feel like when you are creating your own platform and you're your own boss of what you're going to talk about, why would I want to make the same shit everybody else is making? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Uh, So the second reason that you would watch art or anime is to connect through the art to people instead of with the art. Okay. So you might watch something and connect to the creators who created it, right? And put their ideas and thoughts into it. Yeah. Um, especially, like, in anime, you know, everything is created. Everything's drawn. There's no, like, incidental or accidental thing in a show that's animated. It's all literally created by people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's... If, if you can use art this way, you want to see something good. And he talked about how most of his, like, Patreon supporters are people who also create things. Mm-hmm. And... They're people who are interested in seeing something that's good and connecting to other people through the art itself. Yeah. Instead of just with it to talk to other people. So, like, I'm repeating myself a little bit, I guess. That's good. Okay. It's hard to just be like, I don't like being the one that just presents something, I guess. But that's yeah, what I'm I know. Doing. Yeah. <laughs> I usually do that, and it's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Um, so the second type of people connecting through art to other people, that's when you talk about how shows work, what makes them good or bad. You might connect to the characters and want to draw like some meaning from it for your life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the thing he talks about in his video. And I, it made me think, like, well, why do we talk about bad TV? Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, anime or movies, it has more of that intentional aspect to it where you're connecting with an actual artist who creates it. Mm-hmm. Um, because even if there's a lot of people involved, you know, either everything's intentional because it's all animated, or, you know, movies just have this big tradition of autorism now. Yeah. And it's really expected that somebody, like, shows you their vision, even if that vision is modulated by a few other people, like a cinematographer and a writer and an editor. Yeah, or really even just... if it's, like, the most, like boring fucking vision right people think of michael bay as an auteur right yeah yeah well those yeah those Lindsay ellis videos on youtube about michael bay's vision something we would recommend it's like yeah definitely it really makes the case for him as having a really specific and weird vision yeah but not i mean it's not necessarily good no yeah (laughs) but when you watch it i mean you can connect with his mindset yeah which is a really like flashy flamboyant you know viewpoint also misogynistic yeah, and also just a lot of fucking cutting. Like, yeah. so much shit coming at you. Yeah, at that's all the times. main thing is like, yeah, he's somebody who wants to give you maximum stimulation yeah. at all times. Yeah. Um, something else we learned this week is that he did a lot of the meatloaf music videos. <laughs> yeah. But like, we don't engage with TV on, on that level. Well, I think like what I usually. thought what you were going to say. Is that, like, why do we like to talk about bad TV? The TV we tend to talk about a lot of times is, like, reality TV in that genre. And there is no auteurship yeah. there, right? Like, it is extremely a collaboration right? Be- between, you know, the, p- the camera people, the producers, the women on the shows who decide their own fucking storylines and try to produce their own storylines mm-hmm. for better or worse sometimes, you know, like... Um, yeah, no, I was thinking reality TV was like the archetypal example of, you know, talking about bad TV. Yeah, it's like the antithesis and why you would. of... Yeah. Because what makes something bad, too, is what different from what makes it good. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, how do we connect with other people through TV criticism? Let's call ourselves TV critics for the first we time. We are. We yeah. are professional TV critics. We put out a podcast. <laughs> 
Is it professional if you don't make money off of it? I don't know, babe. <laughs> no, we're like Olympians. We're yeah, amateurs. we do it for... Oh, but also we do it for love of the sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like... When you're engaging with what makes something bad or reality TV in general, you're engaging on a more systemic level. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we talk about the like process of making the TV or being in the show. You know, what do characters do in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by characters, I mean people, obviously. I, I think that's how we engage with the broader world through a TV show by talking about its form or structure. And that's where politics come in. Oh, okay. Because politics is about structures, really. Yeah. And form. That's true. And situations. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so, yeah, that was the main thing that I was thinking of. Okay. But also, when you talk about what makes something bad, you know, why do we or other people not like something? You know, like when we talked about once and what made once bad. Even it, what like what makes it bad, even if it's enjoyable on some level, it's that they needed to give every villain a sympathetic backstory. Yeah, and it ruins fairy tales. It's not really yeah. a fairy tale anymore, and that's how we connected it to your idea of everybody's an atheist now. Because even if you like the whole message of once and all Disney shit or Christianity on a certain level is like you got to have faith, you got to believe in mm. things. There is magic in the world. Yeah, but they they can only prove that to you or to themselves by like making it literally true and making reasons for it yeah and making a plot that makes it happen yeah and that's not magic right? that makes like material sense practically you yeah. Know? yeah so by looking at once and what made it bad we just connected it to this broader situation and yeah. in, in the world and culture at this moment. yeah that's true yeah and yeah. that's how we connected with other people through looking at why it was bad yeah. and what makes it work yeah yeah i guess that's pretty much our whole project i guess so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i thought like yeah i guess we're just on the same page, but I thought this would be like a bit of a manifesto of sorts a little bit sure. about what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I also have in my notes, like, like the original Charmed. Um, I can't imagine anyone that was working on it or watching it at first really expected it to be a success. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. it's just something that they were making to make something. Yeah. That, like all TV shows, it's really just there to get people to watch commercials. Yeah. You know, but there's something in there that resonates with viewers yeah. and clearly with the, the myriad of creators who, who made it like who knows how many writers worked on that show, the actors, the everybody involved, there is something there that resonated with people. Yeah. So like we can connect to other people by looking at what maybe that was, even though there wasn't like, they didn't sit down and they were like, Oh, we got to make a show to teach people about, you know, how to live in the world as a woman or relate to other women. Yeah. It's just something that came about naturally because of the situation they were in, which was creating this show and enjoying creating it and other people liking it. Yeah. So like, yeah. So we can look at like in Charmed, what, what's going on in that scenario that inspired the creators and inspires the people watching it to like keep watching and make it good or enjoy it. And maybe that's not consciously, you know, putting meaning into something, but it's something that propels the show forward on like a formal level. And by looking at that, we can, I don't know, learn something more broad about where people are at or what they're thinking Mm. or what appeals to people. So like, as soon as we start talking about what makes a show good, but especially what makes it bad, we start linking it up with ideas of the structure of society and like our moment in time where we are. 
Yeah. You know, mostly through like formal qualities of the work usually. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's that idea of like, you know, movies, TV, whatever are sort of like our collective dreams, you know, and just as we can like psychoanalyze dreams to find out more about ourselves, we can, you know, analyze TV to find out more about like both our aspirations and our nightmares, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's very telling, like, what TV you make when, right? I mean, there is, like, we're talking about Charmed that came out in, like, I don't know, early... Late 90s. Late 90s, I think. Yeah. But right now, witches are having this huge resurgence, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a million TV shows coming out and movies, remake of Suspiria, remake of Sabrina, remake of Charmed, right? Like, coming out right now. The movie The Witch. Yeah. And it's like, why? Well, I mean, it's, yeah, witches are fashionable, I guess. But obviously, like, during a very repressive political regime where the president explicitly hates women, there's a bunch of art or dreams about both, you know, more satanic, darker, like the Sabrina series is trying to be darker than the previous iteration of Sabrina. Why? Because it feels like a darker time than when the Melissa Joan Hart series came out, you know? And there's less of a desire to, I think, hide, like, the naked need for women to have power compared to, you know, when it's just zany and there's hijinks and whatever. Yeah. So, obviously, the art that we put out, and even though it is commercial art, you know, kind of how we were talking about fashion. I mean, the same thing happens in fashion. Like, you know, you see Marc Jacobs and all these, almost like every designer, Balenciaga, everybody is putting out these, like, 80s silhouettes. Why? For women. Why? What was fashionable in the 80s? Big shoulder pads, big coats, armor, a suit of armor to go into the workforce as a woman. Mm -hmm. And that's the response we have in fashion right after the Me Too movement. And here in, you know, we have witches, women with power who subvert the male patriarchy, broadly speaking of the church, but in general, whoever the male patriarchs are probably, right? Like, I mean, that's the symbol that witches have been for however long we've had this idea. So, you know, even if it's like commercial art, there is value to it. I mean, we are telling ourselves these stories. We are showing ourselves this art. We are creating these suits of armor for ourselves. So I think you can only take those ideas and link them to the broader culture to fully understand why they exist in the first place. Like, that's why Charm sucks so bad, is it's the most, like, naked commercial attempt to To cash cash in in on the most performative surface-level wokeness. And nostalgia. Yeah. Like, there, it's so bad. It just doesn't... It's like like the bold type. It just does not rise to the occasion, you know? Yeah, it doesn't. We're talking about how the Sabrina remake is darker, and it needs to be darker for this time period, because this time period is darker. Charmed and, and I would say, the bold type, too. Yeah, they were made for Hillary's America. Yeah, you've heard me say that before, <laughs> and I've tweeted it. And but I mean, it's true. It's uh, these are shows out of time and place. These are for if Obama had a third term, <laughs> if Hillary were elected, and performative wokeness Char- and yeah. feminism felt like enough that you know you can just lean in and you're living well, your best girl boss. Charmed life. is charmed is so bad at taking it for granted that they remade. Who was the garden? Leo. The white lighter. Yeah, yeah. They remade Leo as Harry 
who is a white British guy who tells them what to do and how to do it. Yeah, all the time. He's responsible for... Uh, one of the main characters being alive after the, after the third episode yeah. when one of the sisters acts too impulsively but, out and, of like anger or upsetness or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's like, like in their in their haste to be woke and to put like a racially diverse cast in there, it didn't even occur to them what they were doing. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Oh, what was the other example I was thinking of in Charmed? Oh, like you told me that the main characters, right, are so they appear very racially ambiguous. Yeah. And the actresses are not of the same, you know race basically yeah and the writers decided that's because their mom had three different children <laughs> yeah. by three different fathers yeah. that's not woke yeah. <laughs> that's like a, a paranoid conservative fever dream of liberal progressivism totally you know? totally so i can't believe they did that yeah yeah but it was yeah but it's out of a desire to cash in on every demographic yeah you know they also made the brainy science girl just be the worst possible stereotype of like a science person there's all every episode multiple times she's like there must be a rational explanation yeah it's like you have magical powers yeah no actual person would be able to move things with their mind and then be unable to divorce that from the fact that like they don't have a scientific explanation for that and that perhaps science is more limited than they previously thought you know like and instead of grappling with that concept and being like, oh my god, the world is so radically different than I thought it was. She's just like stubbornly, blindly, but mainly just annoyingly unwilling to confront what's right in front of her, which is one of those other things that makes bad TV bad, which is when you are like screaming at the screen because it's like the most, they're not doing the most obvious thing Mm. that any person in the context or situation would do. And I, that's one of those things that, like, TV is getting better at because people are so sick of the old sitcom tropes, which relied on those types of things for a zany misunderstanding or whatever. But then you have TV shows like Charmed where it's like, this doesn't make sense. No one would behave this way. So why are you having these characters behave this way? And and also, it's like, why? Because they're lazy. Because they keep writing episodes where we end up in the same spot where we started. Yeah. Because they have no fucking story to tell, apparently. It was so disappointing. Because we already noticed that about Harry, that he's like the, the white guy who doesn't want to do. Yeah. Literally named the white lighter. Yeah. We'll Whereas Leo was head. a lot more, you know. He was like. He a, followed the lead. Their yeah. lead. Yeah, he yeah. was there to support them, yeah. not to l- be their leader. He wasn't Charlie and they're his angels, right. you know? Like So at the end of the pilot, they think for a second, oh no, maybe we shouldn't trust Harry. Maybe he's bad because the Ouija board told them. Yeah. And their mom supposedly was controlling the Ouija board. But then at, like, at the beginning of the next episode, it's clear, no, the Ouija board is a demon and you should trust Harry. Yeah. You know, so we're right back where we started. Why the- did they bother yeah. sending us down that path? Yeah. Um, obviously, Sabrina's. Can I get on to Sabrina? Yeah, yeah. That's obviously, it's much better. Like, yeah, and it is more complicated. Yeah, it's basically okay. I think maybe I'll be giving a spoiler for the end. Is that we okay? always, guys, spoiler. We always give spoilers <laughs> because it's impossible to talk about this stuff in depth without yeah. giving spoilers. So, like, if you don't want to. Yeah, you should always watch whatever we're talking about pre-listening. But to also just listen to the spoiler and then watch it. Yeah, because spoilers actually. I'm just saying, if you're really worried about it, supposedly neurologists or whatever have done experiments to show that spoilers heighten your enjoyment of things yeah. when you know what the ending is going to be. Yeah, totally. But um, so in Sabrina, the way it starts out is uh, you know, 
she doesn't know what's going on basically and then there's this like satanic church that her witch ants are a part of and it's, well, it's their coven it's their coven but it's also but it's a church it's like led a, yeah. by a priest yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a cell of a broader satanic church right. with its own traditions and all of these satanic churches serve the dark lord and the dark lord excuse me is like personally um trying to recruit Ser- serena Sabrina. Sabrina. <laughs> I'm talking about gossip. Literally. Girl. No, sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm talking about gossip. I mean, girl. how was she so charming and always looking so great in her clothes? Obviously, <laughs> she sold herself to the devil. <laughs> so, anyway, like the first episode or two is her rebelling and resisting joining this social order and exposing everything that's wrong with it. And she's mad at her parental figures for even being a part of it because it's so corrupt and they're doing things like cannibalism, for example. Yeah. And she, the the whole thrust of the beginning of the series is her trying to outwit the Dark Lord, so she doesn't have to become a member of the church. Mm-hmm. But she can maintain her power. But she wants freedom power. and power. Yeah, and by the end, she actually joins. Yeah. Um, because she needs to to get the right powers to save her friends, who are only in danger because of the Dark Lords like creating the situation. Yeah. Where their her friends would be in danger. But she has to go join anyway. But she also, but, but yes, but also throughout the series, she starts out as basically a normal teenager. Yeah. Who, I mean, I guess we can say by default is good because she's never done anything evil and she literally says, I'm not an evil person to the high priest. She's trying to expose the evil that's going on and get, you know, the other witches to stop doing these bad things. Yeah. Or at least to question it, right? Yeah. Um, Because she spends a lot of time getting, like, prudence to question, like, why would you want to be eaten by other witches? (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I think what is so great is that it's it it reminded me a little bit. And I I didn't think it was quite so subtle, but I noticed when I read some, like, reviews and saw people, like, talking about it online that I guess it was quite subtle because a lot of people missed it. It reminds me a little bit of the bell jar. Where it's like, as you're reading, you don't notice, but she's slowly losing her mind. Yeah. You, um, but it, like, makes sense as you're reading it, you know? And it's only when you, like, look back at the story that you realize, like, wait a second, that was crazy, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and it's kind of the same thing. It's like, slowly, 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 through actions that make sense in the moment, you realize that she's becoming quite evil. Yeah. Like, she is down to slit the throat of one of her classmates to perform a ritual a to resurrect, yeah, 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 resurrect a dead person. Yeah, and she has an idea of how she's gonna actually not do that. And at one point, Ambrose says to her, "Why do you think the rules shouldn't apply to Absolutely, you?" Absolutely, yeah. You know? And the only reason she wants to do it is to make her boyfriend feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very selfish. Yeah, she just got to this point she, where she thought she could use her power to do whatever she anything. wants. Anything, exactly. Her aunt even says to her, like. Did Harvey ask you to bring his brother back from the mm-hmm. dead? No, because no person in their right mind would. She, you know, I mean, it's like pretty explicitly said, but the idea is like she goes from a basically good person to a person who's being corrupt by their own power, mm-hmm. corrupted by their own power. And ultimately, I think what a lot of people missed, I guess, again, from me just like reading reviews and stuff online is this is, I mean, and also because I don't think we've seen it before, really, is this is our protagonist is a teen girl who's an anti-hero. Yeah. Which you don't see. Like, the expectation of teen girls, like we were joking about Gossip Girl, but it's a good example, is they are hot, but they are 
um, chased. Uh, but then, you know, they have sex at the right time and then they can be sexy, uh, but they still are supposed to be like good at their schoolwork. They're supposed to have yeah. perfect bodies. Like, They're supposed to be like toe that line between being like attractive, like and womanly, but still girly. Yeah, that's true. It's funny. Serena has these rumors about her that she has this like play girl character. And then a lot of part, a big part of her character is not conforming those uh rumors yeah 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 she's actually quite um like she's supposed to be this party girl who's done drugs and had lots of sex and orgies and stuff but then she's always in the show when we see her behaving exactly the opposite you know Um, it's like maintaining her cool you know her cool stature without actually doing any of that stuff yeah because you don't actually want to be a bad girl because then you'd actually be a slut right (laughs) (laughs) that's bad i mean not really obviously but you know I think it's really challenging and interesting to see a teen girl who is like openly saying she wants power and that it's really different. And that I think that that's one of the things that makes this show more interesting than it would be if they just had her be good trying to resist evil. Mm-hmm. Instead, they've allowed her to be corrupted by evil, you know, yeah. and it's okay. Like, Am I reaching too much if I say like, you know, the the church, the dark lord, the order that exists represents like the social order. Totally. Yeah. That wants to that's kind of patriarchal and it is to, completely patriarchal. I think even it's though pretty it's all explicit. Wi- yeah. Even though it's all female witches, like all the but men then have power. All the men have power. The um high priest was clearly like consolidating power because he has like Ambrose get out of house arrest and come join him, his boyfriend Luke seems to be part of that and then they have a male he had the high priest's wife dies giving birth mm. and he's excited to have a male heir right. to pass this on to and he says something at the end like you know like a, big things are coming or whatever and he's just surrounded by yeah. men show presenting them this male heir yeah, yeah so i think there's obviously a real sense and, that and sabrina starts out by resisting that order and wanting to be outside of it and rebel against it. Yeah. And it doesn't make her a good person. Yeah. And then in the end, she joins it anyway. Yeah. You know, and that's so that's so more such a more complicated tale about where we're at in reality. And also a realistic tale of frankly being a teenager, right? Because we all try to like rebel when we're teenagers, and then the reality of a structure around you that governs you is that it's it, you can't live outside of that structure. That's true. And you have to join oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's true. And you can try your best to join it on your own terms. Yeah. But you still have to join. That's true, yeah. She really doesn't escape it at all by no. trying to not join it. She just rebels a bunch of different ways and tries to have everything she wants. And in the end, she has to compromise that's herself true. in some way yeah. in order to continue forward in they, order yeah, for they literally, to survive. They literally have too much power for her to avoid it to avoid it affecting her yeah. life yeah yeah and because of their power over her she ends up joining yeah 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 the just like the idea of like oh well you're a capitalist you have an iphone well i, I have to mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah. there's like, you can't live outside of that's why it's that's a true. system you know you can't live yeah. outside the system you know the people closest to her are involved actually her aunts in some ways perpetuate and in some ways carve out their own space yeah. outside of that power yeah by being part of it yeah. And meanwhile, you know, the other person closest to her is like this agent of the power that she doesn't even realize is controlling totally. her life. Totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And I don't I don't want to like give uh people the impression that um it's only good and that there aren't bad 
or like drawbacks to the show. Obviously, like I think we were pretty much smacked in the face with it when we were watching. Like um, there, one in one of the earlier episodes, she has a friend who. I guess technically, I think the actor is gender uh, queer, maybe gender fluid. The, the character because um, their name is like Lachlan, whatever, and they use oh, I, I think like neutral pronouns. But they are playing a character who's named Susie, who's I assume is going to be trans. Mm-hmm. They gave us a lot of hints that yeah. uh, that person will be at least transitioning, or maybe will become gender queer fluid i don't know um but anyway uh but they had um her picking up um orlando at the bookstore did you notice that i was like okay (laughs) (laughs) that's cool it is it is but anyway it was like uh, maybe some kids will decide to pick up i was uh, in high school when i read that she is being bullied by these football players sabrina wants to punish the football players at first she tries to do it through the school but they keep bothering Susie, mm. and they i think they beat her up after she actually kind of starts Tattles provokes a, a fight i guess this no is the... Susie provokes remember she oh, like goes right. and charges one of them because yeah. they're being assholes and um anyway she enlists these three uh witches from the witch school to help her and they essentially trick the guys into thinking that they're making out with each of these teen girls. But in fact, the boys are making out with each other mm-hmm. in their underwear. And then they take photos of them. And I looked at you like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> because, like, this is, like, really, it's 2018. And you're doing, like, gay panic shit to blackmail. Yeah. Like, at minimum, like, if they wanted to have this scene, I think an obvious answer is, like, have them like masturbating by themselves and like I blackmail yeah. them that way if you have to blackmail yeah. anyone for over sexuality. But the fact that they were like, oh, haha, you kiss boys is like, oh, what year is this? I don't like this at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not good. Um, so obviously that was quite problematic and later on they hint that the boy at least two of the boys are actually gay yeah for each other. And that doesn't make it better that no it doesn't weird. make it better and also her aunt like knows about one of oh, the boys right. trauma like sexual traumas from yeah i guess she's like using her magic to like read into yeah, his past and, uh, something happened to him at camp yeah it sounds like and, it was really bad and she's like so he's in the bookstore and they're about to bully Susie again yeah. or something yeah and the that's aunt, why she's getting Orlando. yeah and the aunt comes over and starts talking to him and like insinuating all this stuff yeah. like aggressively like and it was like oh let's not use people's trauma against them yeah. i mean even if they're bullies there's got to be better ways to address yeah. this that was like yeah and obviously you know there's a scene where a black girl the black yeah, girl that's what i was gonna mention yeah there's three witches two of them are of color and the third's a redhead which no, on tv is an ethnicity yeah yeah no they're i think they're both white the other two there's just one's one. asian is she? I think so, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. So, yeah, they're the ethnic crew, if you count the redhead, which TV does. And, yeah, they're Irish Sabrina. people were the first black people. That's true, it's true. <laughs> the first slaves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're bullying Sabrina, and, yeah, Sabrina gets back at them by, basically, there's the, the big, a big part of the plot is that in the, the harrowing. past. Well, in the past, oh. these witches were executed. By the townspeople. Right, hung in a tree. 13 witches. Yeah, and they were hung in the tree. So 
Sabrina is hazing, or they're hazing Sabrina. It's called the harrowing, and they put her in different circumstances. Like she has to spend one night in this like yeah. kind of jail. I mean, we're cell presuming thing. people have seen it. I okay, guess. but in case you haven't or yeah. you don't plan to, just so you have some context. Yeah. Like, the, basically, it's like over three nights they put her into different awful situations that the um, these thirteen witches were put into in the past. Like being locked up in a jail cell and some other stuff, mm-hmm. but the jail cell is like a dark hole. And um, the third night, they put they lead her out to the tree and they put a noose around her neck, and she has to stand out there like with no shoes and basically like no clothes, um, with a noose around her neck, staring at the tree where the women were hung. Mm-hmm. And, and then all the ghosts appear and start talking to her and they're like turn around turn around yeah and uh, the thing is like they told sabrina if you actually turn around and look at them you'll die yeah yeah and so then sabrina collaborates with the ghosts to get back at the bullies yeah and she gets uh, them ghosts of kids who died being hazed yeah yeah so they get the bullies to come to the tree and she makes them think that they're being hung from their necks or something yeah so yeah you have this image of a black girl like hanging from a noose in a tree yeah it's not great it's not great yeah they i mean honestly they could have put like a content warning or something yeah it's, I, it, I, it was shocking to on see. the other hand i think the gay stuff was worse because it's completely unnecessary yeah this it's hard to like they could have not had that character be black is that good or they could have not had the witches be hung, be hung? from the tree. But the thing is, their their source. I mean, they weren't completely true that. to their source material. So I guess you could say they didn't have to do this. But the imagery of like the thirteen witches and stuff comes directly from the comic book, the Chilling Sabrina, mm-hmm. uh, whatever Adventures of Sabrina. So the imagery was already there. Now they didn't have a black girl hanging in a tree is they should have done something to avoid that imagery because they're not really dealing with it it's not they're not really talking about race at all yeah so you're bringing all this trauma up which i would defend somebody you know using this image in a work if it dealt with that history in a way and it just doesn't deal with that history at all so i think it yeah they should have tried to do something yeah although i will give them a plus for having at first when the mean girl who was basically the bad witch representing black magic you know um showed up and was black i had a sense of like oh this isn't great you know but then eventually like the character's name is prudence and they really like i think they build her up well like she starts out as someone you expect to be like a periphery queen bee bully that's just gonna be kind of boring but ultimately like she ends up they end up interrogating like her faith her relationships like including to the high priest who ends up being her dad um she's not just a villain her relationship with her sisters that are the other two girls yeah and ultimately she's like slowly transformed and like, whereas Sabrina's becoming a more evil person, I feel mm-hmm. like she's becoming maybe not a better person, but, like, going from maybe, like, darkness to, like, gray zone, you know? <laughs> yeah, she's going from evil to normal. Yeah. yeah. and She's maturing like a person. Yeah, and so up. you have by the end, like, when the other two, her sisters decide that they're going to kill Harvey and his brother, they don't include her in it because they know, they see that she's changing too, yeah. you know? And so I think that, like, relative to a lot of other TV shows that sometimes have just, like, a a black character there just to serve Mm -hmm. whatever purpose, they actually, like, gave this character, this black character some development, which was positive. 
Um, and she also has her best friend, Roz, who is, like, developing some magical gifts, which I, I, I do hate when everybody on our show has a magical gift. Yeah, I was going to say, like, all the all this stuff we're talking about is, is bad, mm-hmm. right? But, like, it's kind of surface level. Yeah. And I would prefer... Well, I mean, some of it is. Like, the gay panic and the lynching imagery. It's... No, it's more than surface level. Well, I just mean it's surface level and that it's not a part of the story. Oh. There's, like, no reason for it to really be right, there. Right, 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 right. Right, right, So, like, I wish they hadn't made those missteps. Yeah. But I prefer it to, like, the Charmed reboot where oh. they're on the surface woke. Yeah. But have this deeper story, story that is really yeah. not at all. Yes, yes. You know, the I Sabrina agree. story is more complex and deals with the real situation we find ourselves in. Right. And I would prefer that even if it makes these, you know, relatively surface level missteps. Yeah. Yeah, the Especially real because it can learn from. I mean, if they they're in the world, they're going to read these critiques that yeah. people have, hopefully. And yeah, the real fault with the show so far is yeah that all her friends have superpowers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate that. That's what I ruined know. True Blood. Yeah, by like season three when everyone, no one, and there were were panthers and yeah. demons and like yeah, it was crazy. It was yeah. like we can't keep watching this because every new person who comes on, it's just like, like countdown until we find out what their special secret magic power mm-hmm. is. You know. Yeah, that's and the it's real. Like Susie's talking to her dead ancestor. Uh, Roz has a grandma who tells her they're all they go blind in her family, but they get a magical gift where called the cunning, where they know what's gonna happen. Yeah. So it's like okay, it would have been cool if like these were just normal people who yeah. have to deal with their friend that's a t- teenage witch. There's gonna be nobody left who's just human. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I think where the show's really gonna falter. Like if it, assuming it does, I think it'll. Next season, there's got to be another season. I'm oh, sure. yeah. I think they're already filming season okay. two. Yeah. I'm sure it'll continue to be like a pretty strong and sensitive metaphor for like what it means to be a young girl growing up in this world in this corrupt social order. But I think it'll probably start sucking on a more like plot based level when everybody's got some superpower plot shit going on. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they plan their seasons out like they did this one with like a strong arc you know um and not and don't just get sidetracked with like yeah everybody's personal Mm -hmm. magical power developing or whatever because i i don't have any interest in that i think probably the next season will be strong enough to keep me watching even if i they bring up a lot of storylines like that that i hate yeah we also hate um harvey yeah i mean i just don't he's just a wet blanket i just don't understand why they cast that guy like yeah He's not a good actor. I don't know why they... I mean, to be fair, I don't know why they wrote him that way, because it's not a very interesting character. Yeah. Like, she really loves Harvey, but, like, it's not clear why. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. there's nothing interesting about Harvey. He brings nothing to the table. Honestly, like, I would have been more down for him to just be one of, like, the hot ab guys from Riverdale, you know? <laughs> because, like, at, like, yeah, it's dumb that, like, Archie and Jughead are, like, you know, just have abs all the time. <laughs> but, like... Abs for days. But at least we'd be like, okay, I get it. She landed, like, a really hot boyfriend in high school, so she's just really into him, you know? Mm. Like, at least that would make sense. Like, this, he's, like, not very hot. He's not very interesting. He's not very brave. He's not very... I mean, there's yeah. just... He's That's not very true. smart. Like, if he was, like, a nerd and he was just, like, really into, I don't know, bacteria even. Like, shit, cool. I'd be into it. Yeah. <laughs> but as it stands, it's like, uh, 
why (laughs) for what like um so yeah i was telling you that i looked up like a little some like i i read like a little bit about sabrina and stuff and some people pointed out that um obviously there's a character there's like a warlock who is like interested in Sabrina at her witchy school? And uh, what's his name? Nick Scratch. Nicky Scratch. Yeah. So <laughs> we and cracked they, up laughing when yeah, people well, call me Nicky Scratch. Yeah, they also like paused it to be like Nick Scratch, and I was like, okay. So I looked it up, and the devil often goes by Mister Scratch, and Nick is also a nickname for right. the devil, like little, like little Nicky. Nicky. Yes. So I was saying Little to Nicky you, Scratch. maybe it'll turn out that he's like the devil's son or something like that. Probably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because at the end, like, Madam Satan's, um, Ms. Wardell, but she's Madam Satan, her uh, familiar, the, the crow, fucking crow, Raven yeah, is like saying to her, oh, well, it looks like Satan is grooming her to rule beside him instead of you or whatever, because she's supposed to be like the queen of hell, mother of demons. Yeah. And so she gets, like, really upset about that. But I was thinking, like, maybe he's just, like, trying to set her up with his son. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of crows, we have three to five hundred crows hanging out in our Kroger parking lot. Oh, my God. It's insane. It's incredible. It's really, really insane. It's 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 really creepy. It's creepy beautiful. It freaks me out. I, like, grab onto Adam every time we're, like, walking through because it scares the shit out of me. They're just swarming, like... It's so many. Like, I You'll have, like, 20 to 30 on your car when you come back to... Yeah. I mean, it's like they're... It's like they've poured... Someone poured crows over (laughs) the car and it spilled onto the parking lot. Like, they're, like... All over, all yeah. over. Like, it looks insane. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really surreal, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you saw that imagery in Sabrina, you'd be like, this is a little heavy-handed that, like, a dark omen has, you know, is happening yeah. or whatever. But it's like, this is in real life, and Yeah, yeah. It's like, terrifying. you know how it's, it's kind of a cheap building, obviously, but it's, like, got the brick facade, and it yeah. has, like, little tiny details it ledges there's a crow on every single little tiny ledger detail yeah. of the building yeah it's amazing yeah you, you shared it on something uh i shared it on my instagram story but it's gone now okay <laughs> do, do people follow you on instagram Graham, do you not want to i mean i have in the past you can follow me on instagram you know just be cool don't be creepy <laughs> <laughs> uh my instagram one. is at Lubitz, so you can follow me if you want to you don't have to share it well, I mean, I don't mind people following me. I just okay. you know, don't want anyone to get obsessed with me. I mean, I'm very attractive. I'm very smart. That's why I don't follow you on Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm at Bone Camaro on Twitter. This is the Cold Pizza Party podcast. It's Lubitsa is at Cold Pizza Party on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you can yeah. find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, at Cold Pizza Party. If you're a new listener, we basically do evergreen episodes, which if you're not up on the professional podcasting lingo. <laughs> Is means... that professional? Po- that's just their <laughs> bullshit lingo. I didn't make it up. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, I thought that was just something no. we said. That, I don't know where I heard it. I think maybe on like NPR or something years ago when we when there were no good podcasts and we just listened to Slate and NPR. Oh, okay. Remember somebody online listen to an episode where we were joking about how we want to be the slate culture cab fest yeah. and they took us they at our tweeted. word they tweeted and we're like uh 
says they this starts out with them saying that they love the slate culture gas fest and that's how they got into podcasting this is not a good start it's like out of you asshole <laughs> it's you. i like listen to the beginning and you say that without giving like any hint of irony <laughs> i just think that's hilarious like obviously hilarious i know of course but i mean yeah but i guess if you really have no context for the show or who we are or whatever maybe yeah. it comes across as very sincere. But like I was saying, most of our episodes are pretty evergreen. We're not like like I said earlier, we're not up on talking the hottest topic or the newest show. Yeah. You know, here sometimes but like... Yeah, yeah. but only because we're like big fans of witchy TV shows in yeah. general. Yeah, but you can go back and just pick out whatever episode looks interesting to you and most of them are going to be evergreen, meaning you can, you know talk about it or listen to it at any point yeah. in history, you know. Yeah, our Aziz Ansari app had a big... Oh, that's why that person... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had a big resurgence because one of our fans yeah, thank you. tweeted it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it to people who are... We uh, should say listener. I don't... Fan listener, yeah. sounds so weird. I don't know why I said uh, One that. of our listeners who, um, who... I don't have it in front of me and it was weeks ago. I don't remember who it was. Um, yeah, was Sorry. responding to people disappointed in Red Scare's take on Me Too. Yeah. And they were like, oh, this podcast had a good take on it. And I was like, we, did we talk about that? <laughs> um yeah so i hope it held up um yeah you know oh talking about the fashion apps one of our favorite episodes that we did was about fashion if you're interested and how you should steal fashion from the rich so if you like something that you see on those apps that would recommended go on (laughs) dhgate.com search for the knockoff aliexpress yeah aliexpress find the knockoff we have i love wearing my knockoffs now it's fun yeah um yeah and I guess that's this episode. Um, I think maybe it's your turn to do music. Oh, yeah. But I could do one. No! <laughs> I'm happy to. I know. You're a little tyrant when it comes to the music. Um, we're thinking of having a new theme song soon, but we still have to figure out which one. When we were, like, drunk and listening to a bunch of music, I had some ideas of what I wanted to play. And now, of course, that I'm on the spot, I don't. All right, so it's later in the night, and I finally decided what song I'm going to record. Or not record. <laughs> I'm not recording. Yeah, this is an original. Song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An original uh, trap song. Yeah. <laughs> Go by Baby Mother. <laughs> no, actually, uh, but we, we are going to uh, write out to Baby Mother's song, Ian, Jan, Janice Ian Dyke. <laughs> Janice? No, Janice Ian Dyke. It's like a oh. name. I don't oh, know. Okay. Um, but yeah, I thought it'd be cool because one, we've enjoyed her music, musical stylings in the past. We were listening to her more like this summer than we have been lately, but she's very good. And also we talked about, um, you know, maybe some representations of black women that weren't so positive. And here's a black woman who's like fully owning her persona. I like read a an interview with her where she talked about how um, she had uh, gotten pregnant by this guy and she realized that maybe she was like the side chick and that his girl was like calling her baby mama on social media all the time. And after she got an abortion, she logged on to Tumblr and she saw that they were like having a barbecue and it made her feel like they were celebrating her not being Mm. the baby mama or whatever. And then she but she still when she was 17 she got pregnant um and had twins 
And then seven years later, she got pregnant again and had twins. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she was talking to her friend about it, and her friend was like, why does it have to be a negative thing to be a baby mama? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. And so she's been like, you know, a lot of her stuff, she talks about like, like having sex without like, I don't know, any kind of shame or regret mm-hmm. and being like a single mother and the things that she's like learned from doing that. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. She's like that on Twitter too. She has a good Twitter account. Yeah. I think some of her earlier tracks, I guess, were like recorded. She did the vocals in the closet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> like her kids are there and you know, Yeah. she didn't have a studio or anything. Yeah. So when you go back and listen to those, you can tell and it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I thought it'd be cool to... Um, yeah, write out to someone that seems pretty awesome. Okay. Um, so, yeah, enjoy the song. Thanks for listening. Hope you got your dishes done or r- arrived safely at your destination or wherever yeah. you're listening to podcasts. Go give some money to Baby Mama. Help her support her two sets of twins. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy to me. Anyway, uh, we love you. Drive safe. Have a nice day. All right. See you next time. Bye. I do my daughter hair, I take a break to serve a junkie I can't lay up with these niggas, I know they just wanna fuck me Catching dick and missing money, missing money, catching dick Now I love that paper cause I count it back with shop a brick I know bitches wanna be me, insecure like Issa Rae I mean okay, let's see what broken pussy bitch I got a block today By the way, I can't hear the hate, I'm in the air today I'm on my way to Amsterdam to put it in the air today Bags on top of bags today, put all on they neck today. She say what she wanna say, but who that bitch gon' check today? Nothing but the meal, don't burn in hell, don't play with God, okay? I be where you scared to go, pull up on me like your dope. I'm that bitch, been that bitch, still that bitch, gon' stay that bitch, I'm that bitch, been that bitch, still that bitch, gon' stay that bitch, yeah. Talking about shit that happened in motherfucking high school. Like, I give a fuck about high school, bitch. This ain't 2007, this is 2018. I'm popping right now, bitch. Shut the fuck up, stupid ass bitch. Yeah, niggas rolling reefer on my left, the pistol on my right. Ain't no fucking telling what my life I keep us sucked in tight. Please don't blow my high unless you not afraid to die tonight. I know you see me glowing, got you contemplating suicide. Extraordinary bitch, get money, no funny shit. Level up and cop that stupid whip, you always want it, bitch. Super Saiyan energy, you hoes could never flex on me. He mallet me, I'm feeling me, I'm rolling with a check on me. All my weeks and Got my niggas got a girlfriend I'ma get the nick and you can love them to the world end Riding with my demons by the pop and all the mist Mango Scotto on my lips, your favorite dealer on my dick, bitch I'm that bitch, been that bitch, still that bitch Gon' stay that bitch, I'm that bitch, been that bitch, still that bitch Gon' stay that bitch, yeah Yeah, yeah.
so motherfucking glad I ain't never had to be no motherfucking lame ass, goopy ass bitch, boy. Y'all hoes be stressed about shit that ain't even got nothing to do with y'all. Y'all all up in my business, all up in my pussy, worried about me. Worried about your motherfucking self, you fucking yeast infection having ass bitch.